This episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio is brought to you by the Shine Shake. Shine is the energizing, detoxifying, and balancing breakfast replacement shake in yummy vanilla latte. Available at CuringDunstanMD.com. 18 grams of protein, low carb. It's gluten-free. It has immune globulin to help your immune system. It helps to balance your cytokines, so decrease inflammation. So it is healing you while it's nourishing you. Available at KieranDunstonMD.com. You're listening to episode number 56. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. It's Dr. Kieran. I'm here with another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Today we're going to talk about some topics that you might be interested in. We're going to talk about mycotoxins, yes, molds, and we're going to talk about Lyme disease and possibly touch on some other chronic disease issues that maybe you're suffering with or you know somebody who is. So listen up. You're going to learn some information that's definitely going to help you. I'm going to tell you about our guest today, Dr. Tom Moorcroft. He specializes in treating people suffering from chronic Lyme disease and other environmentally acquired illnesses, including mycotoxins and pandas, autoimmune encephalitis, which usually affects children, but we probably Mm -hmm. will touch on that today. These are some of the most debilitating and chronic disorders that mainstream medicine has been unable to heal, that is for sure. Dr. Tom focuses on optimizing the body's self-healing systems in order to achieve optimal health with simple natural interventions, utilizing more conventional approaches when needed. And one thing I certainly will say is that mainstream medicine really does have difficulty in not only healing these disorders, but diagnosing them. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and you've been suffering with undiagnosed health problems, symptoms that your doctor says just don't go together, aren't related, don't make sense, and you've had multiple doctor visits, multiple specialist visits, maybe you've been to the emergency room several times, I've seen patients like that, Mm -hmm. then you need to listen up because your answers may lie in exactly what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Dr. Tom Moorcroft. Wow. Hey, thank you, Dr. Dunstan. This is awesome. I mean, it's the, the intro is like I, I should re-record that and utilize it. That it totally encapsulates exactly what we do in our practice, too. So I, I think this is going to be a great conversation. And then thank you so much for inviting me to join you. Yeah, thank you for being here. I, I'm thinking we should call this episode Medical Mysteries Solved. Right on. People love those detective shows where people figure out how uh, someone was killed in a very strange way. Well, this is the equivalent from a medical perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people come in and say, you're just like house. And I'm like... <laughs> Not that I, I have to admit, I've only seen about three minutes of the entire show, but, um, you know, it is, it is that, it's that Sherlock of detective thing um, that we do. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody this past weekend and they're like, why do you do what you do? And, and I, and I always want to say, I see people suffering and I want to help them, but 
I listened to a friend of mine's story about why he became a gynecologist, and I realized that as a child, I was a truth seeker. And I, and I remember like talking to my old man and I said, this is true. You know, this happened. The school said this about to me and they're telling you something different or I experienced this and, it, and this is a fact. And he said, well, no, like your experience of life is not correct. You know, and it was like, you know, listen to the authority. But I said, well, the authority didn't have the right answer because they weren't listening to my experience of the world, even when I was really focusing on the objective experience. So I really work with this group of people and, and I'm so excited to be able to talk about this because we have the opportunity to actually talk about the truth and how people are experiencing their lives and where our medical system, because of you know, some constraints, has been failing them. So um, it's really nice to have an opportunity to talk with someone like you, Kieran, to talk about truth and what people are, where we're missing it and where we could kind of help our, our, your listeners you know, improve. Yes, Truth Seekers in Medicine Unite. I yes. think I know that for myself, it's the same thing. I've my entire life since I was a little kid, I've been a truth seeker. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this field really does attract people who are seeking not only health and healing for humanity, but what is getting to the bottom of it, and this could be a whole other conversation, and I know we've got an agenda set out, but <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have discovered through various means, which like I said, is a whole other conversation, that I've actually been a healer in many, many lives, and yeah. so it kind of prepared me to come here and, and be one of the leaders on this movement that we're undergoing now. Have you had any exploration into that? You know, it's kind of interesting. It's like, I, you know, because I'm an osteopathic physician and I'm like, my whole goal is to just do hands-on osteopathic manipulation and kind of like meditate all day. But I keep getting drawn elsewhere and everybody's like, oh, you have to go back to your roots. I'm like, but wait, my roots are... I knew that like, you know, sap and water moved through trees when I was a children. I could feel things moving in the ground. And, you know, I, you know, you get these intuitions and when you listen to them, everything works out or, you know, something that somehow you shouldn't have known supposedly according to everybody else. And it's like, and to be with a group of people where they're just saying, Hey, you know, take in everything, all of your experiences of living, you know? And I remember in college, I was talking to my mom and she's like, you know, asking me about church, I said, Mom, I just came back from five days hiking in the White Mountains. You know, <laughs> wasn't the answer she wanted to hear. <laughs> right. but, but it was like always this marriage of nature and my experience of the world. And I learned like so much from the natural world and, and just sort of being experiencing it, you know. And so it, it's just incredible. And I think we need to be open to those things, just like the animals we see in nature are. Yes. So let's get to the topic, and let's start talking about these chronic mystery illnesses. So we're, particularly, mm -hmm. I want to focus on Lyme and mycotoxins. We haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, and those are two topics people are very interested in. I was just speaking with a patient an hour ago. Um, I'm pretty sure she has chronic viral infection. Mm -hmm. Kind of done the due diligence down the road and kind of at that point where I've done certain parameters, a CD57 count. I don't know if that's something you use. Right, right. And she's at 52. And so I said, well, you, we got to do some more testing because you pretty much have chronic viral infection. So talk about what type of symptoms do people have? How would they, 
well, I know there's no typical with this, but yeah, right. <laughs> things do you see um, when people are suffering with these kinds of problems? Yeah, you know, I mean, like you said, it's, it's not always specific, which is hard. So you have a lot of joint pain, you have a lot of fatigue, a lot of brain fog. So right now I've just described probably like every, you know, sort of thing from thyroid, low vitamin D to chronic viruses, mold toxins, and Lyme. But they're kind of the three big ones that come up, at least in adults. But the, the, the key for Lyme is um, migratory pain, whether it be joint pain or muscle pain. Because there's no real like rheumatologic condition, nothing like a rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. It just kind of picks a joint and then leaves there and goes somewhere else and stuff. So migratory joint pain is a big one. Um, certainly, you know, the cognitive things and the brain fog are a if you, you know, like rheumatoid and lupus are kind of going to be in like a, one joint or multiple joints, but it's not going to pick one and then move to another and then for a week and then move to another one and five hours later go to a different one. So it's that real migratory patterns have been shown in um, studies of Lyme to be really one of the more pinpoint symptoms of Lyme, from, especially from a diagnostic perspective. Um, and then, you know, I've had people with migratory muscle pains, and even um, if you see migratory neuropathy, so like numbness and tingling, it's like in one hand, then a foot. Perspective of the symptoms we commonly see, you know, are like the brain fog, joint pain, and fatigue, and joint pain really sticks out as a big one. And the thing that we're looking for is, is migratory joint pain, meaning it goes from like one joint to another joint over time and generally our rheumatologic conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus will have a joint or multiple joints they affect but they're not going to affect like your wrist on the right side one day and then your left shoulder the next and then your you know your left knee and then your right hip in a pattern you know and so that's we see that very commonly in Lyme there's a bunch of studies that have now shown that you know that migratory pattern really does sort of start to pinpoint Lyme some more um, you know, and same thing with muscle pain. I see that muscle pain sort of migrates, and I also see sometimes even migratory numbness and tingling um, in people. So it's, it's just that movement of the symptoms. It's not to say if you have a joint pain in your right wrist and your left hip, it's not Lyme, but it just seemed that weird pattern of, you know, unexplainable and moving is really a big piece of it. Um, and then certainly, you know, brain fog comes up as another one, a lot of the cognitive difficulties. And I see a lot of people like in their mid-30s, early 40s who are like, yeah, I just can't recall names as quickly. I can't handle the stress at work or they ask me questions and I'm forgetting my task. And, you know, they're like, I'm getting old. I'm like, how are you old at 40, right? I mean, you should be feeling awesome. And so that's really another one. Whenever anybody comes in in their 30s and 40s and tells me they're starting to get older, even in their 50s, I'm like, that's not supposed to be happening. And so they're kind of things I think about. Um, the other thing we see a lot of is, you know, what we call dysautonomia. So, um, you know, the, the inability to sort of regulate your heart rate and all these automatic functions in your body. So sometimes we see it in the gut. Sometimes we see it in the heart. A lot of people have like, you know, the, the POTS or the orthostatic tachycardia where you get up and you get dizzy and you can't control your heart rate and things like that. And that's a really common thing. And a lot of my patients go to the doctor and they're like, oh, just drink some water, have some salt, and you're, you're anxious. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'd be anxious too if my heart was racing out of my chest, right? And so there's some of yeah, the big ones that pop up. Find that the symptoms are oftentimes just very disparate and seemingly unrelated. I had one client and uh, she had had multiple visits to the ER for kind of what you're describing. Right. 
tachycardic episodes, um, which is that autonomic dysregulation. And then she was having strange neuropathy, kind of paresthesias coming down her face. Dave, yeah. But she didn't have a Bell's palsy. And, you know, they just did not know what to do with her. They had sent her to a neurologist and a few other people. Right. Um, ended up having mycotoxins which was actually interesting she didn't have Lyme um, right. well and yeah. it's interesting that you bring that up too because like whenever whenever the things don't add up they call Lyme like the great imitator right. um, because it looks like all these different things um, at, but not for sure like I get atypical multiple sclerosis or atypical rheumatoid or rheumatoid without the, the blood test and or the symptoms don't make sense so obviously you're a hypochondriac and those are definitely there and the interesting part to me about mold toxins is I'm always trying to figure out, like, with Lyme, if you're not getting better, the question is why. It's the same as, like, with our chronic reactivated viruses. It's like, well, why are they reactivated? And if it, that's the primary problem, but I can't get them to go to sleep again, why not? And so we look for other infections that are also contained in ticks. But also then we have to remember we have to look at toxicities like the mold toxins because they're often – you know, concurrent, you know, maybe you dealt with the mold just fine until you got Lyme. And now you now because Lyme, I also call it the great instigator, it likes to break things, it ruins detox, it ruins your immune system, it yeah. destroys your endocrine system, and then it chills out. And so we all chase Lyme. And we forget that the whole rest of the body is trying to struggle with what Lyme sort of let loose. And so I think that's where the functional medicine, looking at the whole person and bring it together really is is critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and I guess just everybody listening, if you're thinking about it, if you have one infection, it means that your immune system really isn't functioning in tip-top shape, and then you're prone for other infections. And that's why you get the co-infections with Lyme with other bacteria, you get chronic viral, you become susceptible to molds, and it's just like they all start piling on, but yeah. what was the initial insult was probably your immune system wasn't functioning well. Mm -hmm. Talk about um, what your approach is. I mean, you're known for this. So probably mm -hmm. a lot of people seek you out because they've been everywhere else. And they say, I need to see Dr. Tom because right. he's, gonna, he's house MD and he's going to figure out what's wrong. Right. Well, you know, and I, I think that, you know, a lot of people come in the office for either the Lyme and co-infections or their kids have pandas. And, and I really just try to sit down and ask them to tell me what they're, what they're experiencing, you know, both themselves personally, how's the family thing, because I get a lot of information about, like, what's really going on. And so many people, because they come in for what we're known for, they're like, I know that I've, no one else has been able to help me, so I've got Lyme. I know it. I'm going to go see the more, you know, Moorcroft because he knows the Lyme stuff. And right. the problem with that is, like, then, you know, they may well have Lyme, and a lot of them do, which is why I'm known for that, because I see people with it. But I'm always trying to find out the other piece. And I find that it's usually when, they, when we allow them to be heard about what, why they think they have Lyme, and, and we evaluate them from both sort of more of a conventional lab as well as maybe some specialty lab testing. But we put those symptoms and their experience together with that lab workup, and then I say, oh, by the way, this little piece called Lyme, we're going to do this whole big thing called you, right, and find out what's really going on. <laughs> because how, I'm sure you do this all the time, right? I mean, it's like somebody says, I have X, and you're like, well, actually, you have A, B, C, D, and E, and you may or may not have X. 
And I literally, I, no joke, I had somebody, I saw somebody from like, a, I think it was Ohio, and her sister lived in Florida. And she said, hey, we, my family saw Dr. Tom, I had a great response. Why don't you go up and see him? Mm-hmm. So I saw her and her son and we were doing, everything was going well. We had a, they were having good responses. And her husband's like, I have brain fog, fatigue, and joint pain. So I'm going to come. And she said, hey, you have Lyme. And he came up and he said, look, I went to my primary. They said they did the test. I don't have Lyme. There's nothing wrong with me. And so I said to him, I was like, what's going on? He's like, goes through the whole thing. I'm like, well, that could be Lyme, but it could be a few other things. So let's just do a work a, a workup based on your symptoms. And he had a, his TSH was 96, right? So he was profoundly hypothyroid. But because he went into his other doctor who didn't want to hear about Lyme, he just said, oh, well, you know, the heck with this. Like, I'm not even going to run the most, a TSH, which is like, I mean, so it's crazy. I mean, you know, these things all look alike. So I just always start with what are the symptoms and what are the most common things that could cause those and start from there. So. Right. It's like that saying we have, you know, in residency, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Right. Gotta- <laughs> well, and you know, it's really crazy, though. And this is this is a part of my practice that I'm probably m- most proud of is that, well, in his story, he goes, for the next two years, he came up so I could manage his thyroid. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, let me just send this down to your primary or whatever. And he's like, I don't trust them anymore. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, so the part I'm proud of is that we, we create relationships with people and we hear them for what they're experiencing. But I also don't just because they walk into a Lyme practice, say you have Lyme. You know, it's like you're, we're, we're doctors. And we specialize in helping people get well and achieving their health goals. And if it happens to be Lyme, I happen to see a lot of it and I'm really good at it. But I don't, but you don't have Lyme when you come to my office, you know, you just have whatever's going on and we find out. Right. Yeah. I like that though. You gotta, you gotta start with the the foundations and the basics and Lyme may be one of the things, but let's talk, touch on diagnosis a little, because I think there's a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. So talk about that and help everybody understand that. Yeah, so I mean, you know, as we've been talking, the symptoms are really critical to understand. I mean, it's hard because there's so many all over the place, but there, you know, um, the next piece of that, so working with a provider who understands the symptoms, and there's lots of surveys out there, but the more you see it, the more you see what is and isn't Lyme. From a diagnostic perspective in terms of labs, it's, it's, um, it's tough because, what we have is um, uh, the typical system that your doctor, you know, your typical primary care internal medicine ER person is going to use is what they call a two-tiered test, meaning they do a screening test, and then they follow it up with a, a test to confirm it. So if the first test is positive or, or, or in the gray zone, they do another one called the Western blot. The problem is when we follow that testing strategy, we uh, miss like 44% of the people who truly have Lyme. So essentially, it's a 50-50 when they do that test, whether, if you have it, whether they're going to find it, which to me is kind of scary, right? I mean, yeah. we, so if out of 200 people with Lyme disease, 88 of them are going to be missed. Compare that to like HIV, one person out of 200 is missed. And that sucks to be that one person. But at the same time, man, if we had 88 out of 200 people with HIV being missed, people would be freaking out. Right. And so and the, and 
and, and sort of a lot of what happened in HIV sort of is the track that Lyme is taking. You know, it's like in the beginning, people aren't really sure about it. And then, um, you know, and then they start to see it more and more and more. And we get the science to back it up. And so hopefully we're, we're starting to catch up. So we do have the basic testing. Um, there are also some of the labs we go to don't really cover all the strains of Lyme in our country. Uh, so there are some specialty labs out there where we can go and get more information. Um, and the other part too is sometimes there's all the information you need on your, your local labs western blot, but your doctor has to understand what the, the numbers mean on there. So all the bands in the western blot, some are pinpoint Lyme disease and some are not. And so those are things that are important to look at, you know. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting with diagnosis is um, back in 2012, they finally found this thing called Borrelia miyamotoi, just a different kind of Lyme bacteria, very similar, a little different. Um, and what there was like 46 cases in Russia that were published. And then I published two of the first 24 cases in our country that was right after that. And what we found was then they went back and they go, okay, between 1992 and 2012, we looked at blood samples we had stored. Oh, we just found another 150 people who had this Borrelia miyamotoi. So they thought they had Lyme. We tested them for Lyme. We said, nope, you don't have Lyme. It's all in your head. And then they go back and it turns out it wasn't Lyme. It was some other infection that we knew was in a tick, but we said the tick didn't give you. Right. And so our testing kind of gets, it's hard because it sometimes our, our, our clinical studies and our testing doesn't keep up with the reality of what all of our patients are experiencing in their day-to-day -day life. So sometimes we have to use specialty testing. That gets to the, my other saying I love from residency, if it walks like a duck, looks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Meaning if it really, if it looks like Lyme disease and just because our limited testing isn't showing it, it right. doesn't mean you don't have Lyme, and, and I've used that with other um, types of disorders as well. And so yeah, we have to admit the limitations of our testing, but with Lyme, we do have some additional tests, although I still think some things are being missed. Right. But talk about those additional tests. Yeah, so I mean, we had the Western blots. We do have other, I mean, there's, you can do antibody testing, which we typically do. Um, and you can do that for Lyme and the co-infections. We have um, what they call LA spot or T-cell testing, which is a fancy way of saying it's a different part of your immune system. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's usually we either have the antibodies being positive or the T-cells being positive, sometimes both at the same time, but not often. So those are really good because some of the labs in California as well as um, some in Germany do that. And there's also, I just heard recently, there's a newer company in the U.S. offering that. So it's becoming more available. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, we have DNA testing um, that people do in blood and in urine and all over the place. DNA is hard because if we find it, at least in blood or in a tissue sample, we're 100% sure that you have it, you know, and that, or it minus like a labeling error. Um, but if we miss it on DNA, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have it, you know, because we're doing commonly a blood test. Mm -hmm. And even if you're doing one of those urine tests, like we're we're looking for these bacteria that are tissue organisms. So they're hiding and we're looking for them in a substance that they're not typically found. So if it's negative, you either have it and we missed it or you don't have it, but I can't tell you the difference. <laughs> so it's kind of, but 
But if it's positive, that's for sure the last two days that infection's been alive in you, and so that's helpful. Um, yeah, that's kind of like, the, it reminds me of the heavy metal testing, and you know, when we're looking for toxins in the body, and a lot of uh, mainstream medical doctors will just do a blood test and say, oh, your mercury's fine. Right, right. Well, mercury doesn't just hang out in your blood. That's why it's fine. It's sequestered. All these heavy metals are sequestered in tissue. So it's the same thing um, with this guy. And it's interesting you bring that up, too, because I had Lyme and Babesia acutely. I got treated for 10 days for Lyme. Nobody tested or treated my Babesia, and I was sick for eight years. And then I got treated over the next four and a half or so years. But my, when I was done, I was like, everything's better except my brain doesn't work. And then I learned about metals and I got tested for metals and I treated that. And in my work with Lyme folks, what we found is that a lot of people who get Lyme, we can trigger genetic pathways that cause us to lose minerals and certain vitamins. And then you're more predisposed to hold on to those metals more rapidly. So I have a portion of my po patient population had no problems with their environmental exposures until they had Lyme, and then, then now they have Lyme and heavy metals, but before Lyme, the heavy metals never bothered them, and they might not have even had them. And so for me personally, if I had to treat the Lyme, the Babesia, and then do the heavy metal stuff before I could get better. I couldn't just treat the Lyme, you know? Um, and, it, and it was amazing what metals did to help me recover my life. There was like this four-year period of time where I did, no one told me that metals could be the problem. <laughs> and, I, and then afterwards, I'm like, man, I wish I had known because it, it just works so well. Yeah, it's interesting how we, we who have really accepted this kind of functional medicine path, we're all patients, just like you listening. We're all figuring this out and taking care of ourselves. Most of yeah. us who got on this path got there because of health challenges. Is that true for you? Yeah, I, well, you know, like I said, I think originally I got into medicine because I wanted to, like, I just had this thing bubbling up inside where I couldn't, I just didn't want to, like, let the, the, the truth speakers be, be invalidated and not supported. But then I had my own experience of this, and it was interesting because I got better, and then I was just doing osteopathic stuff. I wasn't really drawn into it, but then I felt someone, and I was like, boy, you don't feel right. I'm not going to fix you with my hands. You need something else. I didn't know who to send her to, so I just did the testing, and I found Lyme. And then I treated her, and then she saw a friend of hers, and she came in, and she went from being bed-bound using a bedpan to going back to work like a year and a half later. Now she owns a company. She works as a nurse and has kids who are totally healthy. And after those two, they just, like, the floodgates opened up because I think because I listened and I wouldn't, we didn't stop, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I think this, there's a lot of the empathy you, you, you have by being a patient. And one of my, one of my, my, my teachers in residency actually said to me, um, every doctor should go to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> and I was like, what are you trying to say about me? But it's like, you know, we, we're, we're in this business of, of like conveyor belt and just telling people, oh, we can fix this, we can't fix this. If we can't fix it, it's in your head. And to understand the emotions of what we're feeling, right? I mean, and so many of my people come in, it's like, I've got Lyme, I can never get better. And I'm like, that's bullshit. I mean, as soon as you, if you believe in that, there's no way to change. But if you believe that you can change, then you start to live your life as if you're already healed. And you may not make it there, 
but damn it, your life's gonna be a hell of a lot better and you have a chance. And I can tell you, every single person in my practice who has put their long-term health goal as their number one present moment thing gets better. Not always 100%, but most of them are pretty damn close to it. And everybody who says, I believe that I can't get better because I read it on Facebook or Google, none of them get better, no matter how much crap I pump into them. <laughs> you know? It's just... But it, it's so true. And, and you talk about mindset a lot, and, and I do too, because it's your beliefs are energetic, create an energetic structure mm -hmm. that actually is accessible and is the framework for your physical body. And if you believe that you cannot heal and won't get better, then you will not, it won't happen for you. It's not even possible. Right. I mean, the, the brain is like this amazing goal achieving, you know, machine. And so if you say I'm sick, boy, it's going to make sure you're sick. And if you say, I'm, I'm, you know, I can heal and I can make it to that place, and you start to just find little evidence of that at one little piece after another, you're, you're going to make it, you know? And it's like osteopathically, we talk a lot about um, form follows function, meaning that the embryologic, developmental, natural function of your body was there before there was any sort of physical thing we could touch, any structure. And that's an absolute truth to the best of our medical knowledge at this point. This is not debatable, you know, based on current science. Yet, as soon as you're born, we're like, oh, it's just a gut. You don't have to worry about anything else about how it actually functions, you know. And it's interesting because the energy that sort of organizes your embryologic, you know, development from cell, single cells to this amazing human structure you become it's all just guided by this energy and it is, and you can see it, you can feel it. And a lot in the office, I mean, and it's so cool to be able to talk about this because so many people know that like you always hear like, Oh, I saw this doctor, that doctor, they're just kind of different. They get it. You know, it's like you sit there and you energetic, you just kind of feel what it feels like to be with this person. And you don't just hear them with your ears or with your brain, but you hear them with your entire being and your soul and you provide a space for them to be safe. You know, you look at, I, I talk a lot about, like, I do lectures on the gut-brain axis and the interaction between the gut and memories and, and, and detoxification of the brain and sleep and all this fancy science because that's what doctors want. But I'm using it as, 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 a, as a segue to talk about safety and, and talking about healing because the way the brain and the vagus nerve works, um, which is the part that controls a lot of your heart and how your gut works and gets to a lot of this autonomic dysregulation, it all has to do with you being able to feel safe, right? So like the saber-toothed tiger attacks you, you run away, and you're safe. But you don't, if you continue to act like the saber-toothed tiger was over your shoulder, and like, that's what my patients, they're like, whoa, uh, they're always under hyper alert, you know? And so in that particular setting, we just need safety and being heard and being loved is, is such an important part. And it's a great place of diagnosis, too. Going back to how do you diagnose Lyme, I mean, part of it is you have to know who the hell you're talking to. And you have to have a relationship with them so that they feel safe to tell you how they really feel and not what the Facebook group told them to say and not what the other doctors told them to say. Boy, you're speaking my language. <laughs> so many things that are important. And I, I, so I want to just comment on a few things. So 
you mentioned this this energetic framework that is measurable and really is the the framework for how our our structure evolves and you know they've now um seen that this energy remains after amputations and then then you get the phantom leg pain and yeah and a structure can actually be photographed with curly and photography. Mm-hmm. I was reading recently, I learned about this. I don't know how this escaped because I love butterflies and dragonflies. But I was reading about how when the butterfly, whether well, the caterpillar, goes into the cocoon, that there are these cells called imaginal cells that actually initially the the cells from the caterpillars start attacking them their immune system starts attacking them as foreign but eventually they multiply and become so strong and they actually have shown that they form the energetic information blueprint for the butterfly and I think it's so fascinating and I really I've also been reading a lot about stem cells and I, I really believe that that's why stem cells are so beautiful. Yes, anatomically, they can become any tissue, certain stem right. cells. But I also believe that they hold that energetic blueprint like these imaginal cells to recreate. And if you, we've now shown clearly with metaphysics that your beliefs do uh-huh. your health. And I'm wondering if it's coming through a lot of it through stem cells because your beliefs energetically change their subatomic structure. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm going to read more <laughs> and I will report back. But Absolutely. You touched on that and it's huge. So how do you help people? And this is something that I ask myself is how do I help people who are in this place of disbelief? They've been raised and steeped in for decades in a Newtonian type of medical practice, which I consider that medicine in our country is a religion. Oh. Uh, health is something that I that is outside me. The doctor gives me a drug and surgery. These things just happen to me mm-hmm. because of my genes. It's out of my control. I believe that I can't heal from these things. How do you help people get out of that mindset? Yeah, I, it's a hard one. I mean, for all the reasons you pointed out. I mean, you know, I, I think I start off, I, you know, I remember I had a guy, Adam. He re- just, I remember him so well because he had Asperger's, so he had no filter whatsoever. It was so crazy. And it was great because, like, you know, he would go to an accordion lesson for 30 minutes and the next day come to my office two hours early and play like Mozart on his accordion after 30 minutes of lessons. I was like, holy moly. So he's kind of like that rain man thing. And he's so nice, but I could he totally was open all the time. So whenever I answered him, I had to be totally open and not filtered because otherwise he would call bullshit, you know, and he totally would. And he's like, so, you know, Dr. Tom, how'd you get better from Lyme and Babesia? And I was like, cause I told it to F off, you know, I gave it the bird. (laughs) <laughs> because I got better things to do, right? And so, so part of it is I share my story and everybody's like, well, you can't get better. I'm like, what do I look like? What about all these other people? And I mean, even if you know the movie Under Our Skin, you know, the one girl that her dad's carrying up, you know, a Lyme documentary, you know, she's like a ballerina, but now she's being carried up the stairs by her dad and she can't move. Well, when they do the second, you know, the follow-up one, she's like driving an ambulance, getting ready to go to college. You know, so it's like, you can heal. Um, No, a lot of it is, it's like you have a choice, right? I mean, what do you want to believe in? You know, so, 
and I can't always get people to, to buy into just like a conversation. Well, like you can have a positive or negative mindset. So I do try to, and, and also a lot of it's physiologic too. I mean, I have people who are kind of normal and, and, and they feel really good. Like, well, I use normal loosely because <laughs> I don't know if I want to be normal, but, but physiologically normal, you know, and it's normal. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, normal. But the, so the cool part is, but then they have an abrupt change. A lot of the children, that's acute onset of anxiety. So I can't just say, you know, just change the way your, your physiology is functioning if they can't do that. And so a lot of the, so aside from figuring out whether we can do sort of mindset directly through like exercises and talking and goal setting, the other thing I do a lot of is things like heart-centered breathing so that they can get more grounded because that's easy and it's free. Right? You can do the fancy modules on your ear and all these things, and I like the biofeedback. But if you just, you know, you can breathe. I mean, most of us who are still alive are doing that. So just, you know, you focus on your heart, and then you just focus on somebody or something you love, and you just do it for five or ten minutes a day. And so, you know, if you can't commit to five minutes of heart-centered breathing when you're, like, you know, in your 30s and 40s per day to get better, you totally don't want to get better. So sometimes there's a little hard love, but that helps. And then I also give people some exercises to um, work on releasing their upper neck and their upper thorax that are really simple, just based on eye movements. Um, and you know, this is a real. It, there's a book called Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve, mm -hmm. um, and it's just really cool because they talk about all this, how everything works in your body, uh, and they summarize some really good science on what's called polyvagal theory. But I just tell people to skip to the end. And do the exercises <laughs> and um, so and I'll even share that with, with with your listeners too in sort of some of the, the the bonus stuff just because I think it's so important that they can get started with it because it sometimes it's just a simple exercise that takes you two minutes once or twice a day that loosens up your physiology enough that then you can get a little more connection between your heart and your brain and your heart your brain and your gut that then you can actually do the things that I'm asking you to do so I try to balance like you know, sort of some of it's like um, a therapy visit and some of it's physical therapy almost to give them things that actually work right away and they can feel those changes. But I find it's challenging, you know. Uh, but I do love that using the breath, uh, really breathing we can only do in the now. And, and it's interesting how we were talking about before being in that fight, fl flight, uh, kind of anxiety, stress right. state causes shallow breathing mm -hmm. and it really does disconnect you from your body and so if you can start to breathe deeply and do pranayamas yeah really can lower that well, um cortisol and bring you back into your body and help with your mindset and your anxiety and one of the stories i tell a lot and I, i'm, I'm it, it's so cool to hear you say all this because when i was sick i didn't know what to do and nobody could help me like literally, like everybody said, here, take this um, Paxil, Prozac, whatever, and try this, try that. Nothing worked. And I'm like, that's not what's wrong with me. I feel something wrong inside. I, I didn't know anything. I just started to learn about diet. So I just radically changed my diet and got rid of all like the Coca-Cola and the candy snacks. And then I did yoga for a year and a half, an hour and a half, six days a week. I did Ashtanga yoga. It was physical, and it allowed me to um, really get my brain to calm down and focus it. Now, I understand not everybody can do physical, but we can all sit and breathe. And eventually, my yoga just took me to breathing, which is like, you know, and that I, 
I've been saying this ever since I got better. 70% of my healing was diet and yoga. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> so. Now, Ashtanga yoga for everyone listening, I call it military yoga. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everybody. Uh, it's, it's, it's a unique kind of... <laughs> yep. Very rapidly. Everybody does it together. It's very fast. Uh, and so I usually recommend for people starting out yin yoga. Absolutely. Wow, and holding poses. But And I couple it with a pranayama, deep breathing. I like nice. the breath, which it increases, and you know, your in, inhalations and exhalations, full tidal breaths. And uh, it really activates that vagus nerve and switches you into that parasympathetic nervous system, which yeah. is is that fight flight we want to get into parasympathetic which is the heal restore right. and brings blood to your internal organs get your gut health going and um so i'm with you i'm with you on that and right and for myself i can be up in my head with all kinds of crazy thoughts and i go do some yin yoga and breathe intentionally mm -hmm. for an hour and i'm like a new person and i say what was i worried about right well, and it's interesting. People are like, hey, doc, what can I get for detox? And I'm like, you can breathe. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, like detoxification 101, move your arms and your legs, which you can do sitting down. Breathe into your pelvis so that you can clean your colon and your chest. That's how it works. It's pressure changes. And just breathe fully, deeply into your pelvis and be present so you can reconnect, like you said. And then to detox your brain, you need to sleep eight to nine hours a night. There's no other way to do it. And it's just like physiology. You have all you need to detox at home. It's free. I love this. <laughs> detox, the sleep and breathe detox. <laughs> That's right. I feel a book coming on or something. <laughs> but yeah, we have so, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> so like simpatico on the same page. And, um, and, and yet we'd never finish talking about this if we talked all night. I know, know, right? I'm in mycotoxins because it's a very complicated issue. But I want to leave everyone with a few things, and I'm going to ask you top three take action steps um, that you would recommend if maybe they've heard some things you've talked about symptoms and they're having strange symptoms or a loved one, a, a friend, a family member has gone to mul multiple doctors and they don't know what to do and they've heard some things that interest them. What would be the three take action steps you would recommend? Wow. Well, I mean, I think the number one thing for me is to listen to your body, you know, like truly listen to it and then seek out providers who can, can help you with that. I mean, I think so many of the people I see just don't believe anymore that they can actually get better and you can. And, and then, you know, looking for providers who can do that is, is critical. I mean, I, it's funny my brain, cause I want to get all mental about it. I'm like, turn off your Wi-Fi, sleep more and all this. But <laughs> I think the thing is, it's like, you need to take, not only do you need, need to understand that one, you can heal, but two, it's like, you know, take consistent action with healing, you know, what, whatever that thing is, you know, just take one, put one foot in front of the other and continue to do it, you know, um, and the last thing I guess is enjoy the journey. I learned so much about myself by being sick and just learning to be present. And that's really what I had to do is be present because then I could understand what was really happening. 
And so anything you can do to just kind of enjoy what you're doing right now, as much as it may be sort of painful in the beginning, I think is probably the greatest gift we can give ourselves. You know, and certainly you can, people can reach out to doctors like yourself and myself to get guidance with getting the diagnosis. But if you don't believe, it's, it's, it's your health, it's not ours. You know, we're here to help you, but believe in yourself. And so I think know that you can heal, take consistent action. If you stumble, get up and then enjoy the journey. Yeah, I love those. They're awesome. <laughs> I know that you have some resources you wanted to share with everyone. We're going to put a link to your website and a link to the resources, but do you want to talk about what you're offering them? Yeah, that would be great. Um, uh, yeah, so I just want to, uh, anybody who wants it can grab a copy. I've got three uh, resources I'd love to share, and one is sort of probably the most popular thing I've ever done, which is called Common Reasons Treatment Fails and How to Avoid Them. Just kind of highlighting some of the things I've seen over the last decade plus doing this where people come in and, and the simple things you can do at home, you know, and so I find that's been really helpful. In fact, I've been giving it to patients when they come in so that they know exactly what to expect. And the second one will be my top five brain detox tips, which will talk about some sleep stuff and some Wi-Fi tricks. Um, and there's simple things you can start doing tonight that'll make a huge difference. Um, and then the last one um, I just call relax and reboot. It's, a, it's just simple exercises that help you balance the nervous system and then get back to boost and, and boost your immune system. And they're just really three, actually four really simple exercises that as long as you breathe and you can lay or in bed or sit in a chair, you can do them. They're like super easy and you'll, feel, you'll start feeling great right away. That's awesome. You've got so much in there that can benefit people. And so if you're listening and really not only if you think you have Lyme or mycotoxins or any of these issues we've talked about, but the skills and tools that Dr. Tom's talking about will actually help you heal no matter what you have. Exactly. I encourage you to check them out. We will put the link in the show notes. And lastly, the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. I would love it if you could share with everyone listening what that means to you. Wow. You know, Her Brilliant Health, I mean, it's like, it was funny when I, I have a nine and a half year old daughter and the only thing I want her to do is to just like blossom into who she is. I don't want her to be the way I am. My wife doesn't want her to be like her. And I just think step into you. You know, we try to, in our house, try to provide this framework for her to grow into her. We don't want her to be even our daughter. We just want her safe. But, you know, and I think it is. It's just like we always ask her to just, you know, step into whoever, who she is right now and be honest with yourself. I mean, and um, it's just, I, it, I'm almost teary, tearing up because, you know, it's like, it's the world is so crazy. And because we ask our daughter to step up into herself, she goes out and everybody's like, oh my God, she's so different. She is so unique. And I just hope for everyone listening to your podcast that they can step forward into their uniqueness and their, their own power because they all can. And just be in the moment and be yourself. Yeah, and I love what you said. I'm just going to paraphrase. So you said, <laughs> her brilliant health is blossoming into who you are. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so beautiful. I, I, I thank you for paraphrasing me too, because I, I'm not very, I'm very verbose, but it is blossoming into who you are. Blossoming into who you are. So thank you so much, Dr. <laughs> Tom, for being here with me today. Thank you for thank you. all you do, and thank you for sharing the information you shared. I know that you have helped people today. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much too. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.